So today we get to encounter Zacchaeus. Uh, many of us uh, who grew up attending Sunday school are familiar with Zacchaeus because we all had to, there was a little song that went like that in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And then they told the story, the hymn was all about the story of Zacchaeus. And we all remember it from our days in Sunday school, at least the people my age, all of us remember that story. So we encounter Zacchaeus. Let's put it into context. This is the 19th chapter. Jesus is traveling to Jericho. He's made up his mind that he's going to go to Jerusalem for the crucifixion and resurrection event, which we celebrate. And, but he's made, and this is the last episode before he finally makes that turn to go up to Jerusalem. This is the very last encounter. And he's going down through the city of Jericho. And as he travels through the city of Jericho, Jericho is about 17 miles from Jerusalem. It's down at the, Jerusalem is up high, cold. Uh, Jericho is down low. There's very fertile land. There's a lot of stuff that gets grown down there. It's, a, it's sort of the farmland, the breast basket of that part of the world. And so it's a land of commerce. And because it's a land of commerce, the Romans want taxes from the produce. And they invite people, they invite some of the Jewish people to be the ones who are the tax collectors. So they collect the taxes from the hated Roman, from the people for the hated Romans, and then they get to add a slice to it for their own benefit. Now, when we encounter Zacchaeus, we encounter Zacchaeus who last week we had a tax collector, just one tax collector, just a lowly tax collector. This week we get to encounter a head tax collector, a chief tax collector. This is the bad of the bad. If there's a mafia, he's the head of the mafia. He's a bad, bad guy. The people hate him. Nobody can stand him. As a matter of fact, because of the laws of the land, he can't go to church, what was church in those days. He can't go to the synagogue. He can't travel to the temple in Jerusalem. He is one of the hated people, absolutely hated by the whole population. What's interesting is that Zacchaeus, the name Zacchaeus, means, at its root verb, it means undefiled, it means pure, it means just. That's the name that's given to Zacchaeus by his parents. But as we discover in our story, and the things that I have said his life has run off the rails. This man is not undefiled, he's not pure, and he's not just. He is a crooked, crooked guy. Jesus comes walking through Jerusalem. He's on the way to, uh, walking through Jericho. He's on the way to Jerusalem. There must have been large crowds that were gathering. And uh, maybe it's Zacchaeus happened to read uh, the Jericho Times or something that day. And he finds out that Jesus is coming through town. Now remember, the rabbis don't want to talk to him. The rabbis won't touch him. But here comes a rabbi that's different from all the other rabbis. He's an itinerant rabbi, for one thing. Number two, he seems to have a big heart. So you can imagine that Zacchaeus, when reading in the Jericho Times that uh, this rabbi is walking through town, uh, he probably wanted to know, well, what's this all about? Will this guy talk to me? Will this guy speak to me? Will he accept me? Will he? Maybe that's one of the questions that he's asking himself. So he gets in his limo. Remember, he's a very, very rich guy. He drives one of those, he has somebody drive one of those big black cars here in Washington, D.C. So the, one of those big black cars, he's sitting in the back of the big black car, and somebody drives him over to the center of town. And when he gets to the center of town, he realizes that if he decides to walk in with a crowd to see about Jesus, that he's going to get beat up, he's going to be spit at. He's going to get walloped by somebody because they hate him so badly. So he decides to climb up a sycamore tree to see what's going on. Now, I want to tell you this. I don't know why Zacchaeus decided to go that day. Scripture doesn't tell us, doesn't even give us a hint 
why he decided to check out Jesus. Maybe he was curious. Maybe it was just curiosity. We have a lot of visitors in this church. Every once in a while when I see the visitors, I say, well, what brought you to St. John's Church? I say, well, I'm just kind of curious about that little yellow church across from the White House. Just wanted to check it out. And that's fine. Curiosity is fine. Maybe he was just curious. Maybe, maybe uh, he thought to himself, you know, uh, maybe I should be looking for some, maybe there's forgiveness in all of this. Maybe there's a new life with this new rabbi. Maybe I can connect to the rabbi. Maybe he was thinking, maybe if I'm punished, I'll be able to live my life a little bit more comfortably. Sometimes that's what we seek, don't you think? We seek punishment instead of forgiveness, which assuaging our fits of guilt makes our old life bearable anew, but it doesn't change anything. And so what we find is that he climbs up on the sycamore tree. We don't know the reason for it. There's an American poet by the name of Miller Williams, and he, I read a poem, or just happened to come across one of his poems this week. It's entitled Compassion. And the, the, the point of the poem, I think that at least how I read it, is uh, we need compassion to understand other people and what drives other people. And there are two lines in it that I think are very important for all of us. And they go like this. You do not know what wars are going on down there where the spirit meets the bone. And that's true, isn't it? We don't know what's going on in other people. Why did they decide to walk through the church? Why Zacchaeus climbs up? Which means that we need to keep an open heart when we see somebody trying something uh, particularly different. So he finds that he climbs up on the tree. He's sitting up there. Maybe he's uh, sitting up there wanting to be the head of the Association of Life Bystanders. You know, those are the people who, um, none of us here at St. John's Church, of course, uh, who watch life go by. The people say, oh, I'll let somebody else do it. I'll let somebody else take care of it. You know those flowers sitting over there by the chapel? Oh, I don't really want to drive over there. I'd rather go home and watch some reality TV. You know, I, I just let somebody else pay for it. I'll just take care of myself. I just won't get involved. I don't want to be a part of any of that. I just want to sit on the sidelines. We have an election coming up in about 10 days. I have a bunch of buddies. We converse to each other over and over over email. And one of the things that's been bothering me about the conversations that we've been having by email and by phone when we get upset enough with each other is this, that some of them are saying, you know, I'm going to stay out of it this year. I'm going to sit the election out. I say, you know, neither, none of these candidates, whether it's a Green Party candidate, it's no good. The Libertarian candidate is no good. The Democratic candidate is no good. The Republican candidate is no good. I'm just going to sit this baby out. And I have a strong reaction to that. You know, I think it was Socrates who said that the unexamined life is not worth living. Well, I tell you this, the, committed li the uncommitted life is not worth living. And somewhere along the line, we have to commit ourselves to something. And I say to them, you know, what makes you think you're too good to vote? What makes you think that you don't have a civic responsibility for the rest of us, never mind yourself, not to vote? What makes you think that you have the privilege of sitting out something as important as this? And I remind them, you know, we're not electing a savior. We're not about electing a savior. We're electing a president. And a president is a politician. And the task of the politician is to find uh, probable answers, proximate answers, 
to very improbable situations. That's the task of the politician, just to find some doable things, doable solutions to what are terrible, terrible problems that we all face. They don't need to be perfect, but I tell them, I say, you can't sit it out. I think it's our civic duty, not only that, but I think it's our religious duty. It's about not sitting on the sidelines. It's not about sitting up there on top of a sycamore tree, hoping that nobody notices us and we're going to let it go by. It's just too important, our civic responsibility, and the committed life is the only one that is worth living. Now, what's important in this particular story is get up there in the sycamore tree, and I don't know if he was hoping to be noticed or not. Maybe it was self-exposure. You know how people do that sometimes? when they know they've been bad, when they've done, they've done something that's not good, and they'll do something, give a hint to somebody so that they can be caught. Happens over and over and over. So maybe he got up there and maybe he put on all his diamonds so that the light would reflect from his diamonds on his fingers to catch Jesus' eyes or something. He said, I'm a rich man, I'm a crooked man. At any rate, Jesus looks up, sees him up in the sycamore tree, and he says, Zacchaeus calls him out by name. And he says, come on down. Come on down. Now, let me tell you, in the Greek, it's an imperative. The come on down is an imperative. It's not translated this way. Uh, If you'd like to, come on down. I wish that you would come on down. That's not the way it's intended. It says the imperative. It says, you come on down. You've got to join the crowd. You've got to meet with me. You need to open your heart to me. You need to invite me to dinner at your house. You need to open up your house and your hospitality to all that I bring so that I may have an impact on your life. It's in the imperative, and it is for all of us. I don't know what you were expecting to happen in church today. I I appreciate that you're here and that you weather the marathon and all the crowds and everything else to get here I'm not sure why people gather at church, but I want to tell you this. Today, there's an opportunity for you. Today, the opportunity that's sitting before you is that Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus and saying to all of us, invite me to your house. Invite me to dinner at your house. Open your heart so that I may be present in your life. It's called conversion, an opportunity for conversion. One of the things I love about the faith life is this that Jesus and God offer us opportunities for conversion over and over and over and over. Every one of them is an opportunity for conversion. We encounter in our personal lives. We encounter in our business life. We encounter in our our public lives. We encounter it at work. We encounter it all over the place. Jesus offers you and Jesus offers me opportunities for conversion so that we may become the person that God created us to be. Remember, Zacchaeus' name at his birth is undefiled, pure, just. And when Jesus touches his heart, Something happens inside of him, and the result is that he's a different person. Notice what it says in Scripture, uh, that he starts giving this money away to the poor, and he starts restitution, paying four times what, to people that he has robbed along the way. Four times. I think it's a reminder for all of us, uh, once Jesus touches your heart, you can't stay as you are. And you better be prepared for that. You better be prepared to be a changed person. And if you're a changed person, not everybody's going to love you because you are a changed person. 
Notice what happens in the story. The people around begin to grumble. And they grumble because they see someone who has changed, and they don't know what to do with that person anymore. I think that's the opportunity that's presented today for all of us. The invitation by Jesus to come on down. Imperative, open your heart. I want you to open your heart. I want to come to be hosted at your house. I want to be invited to dinner at your house, metaphorically speaking. Let me touch your heart. Let me touch your heart today, but I can't touch your heart unless you open it up for me. Metaphorically speaking, open up your house. Invite me to dinner, and let me touch your heart. The end result is that Zacchaeus becomes ten times the human being he was before. I have a very good friend whose name is Webb Hubble. He used to be a member of our congregation, and Webb Hubble was a member of, he was the assistant attorney general, I think in the first uh, Bill Clinton administration, I may have that wrong, but he was, I think, the assistant attorney general. Anyway, he gets convicted because when he was a lawyer in Little Rock, uh, Arkansas, he overbilled uh, people over there, the people whom, for whom he worked and everything. So he is convicted for that and he's sent to jail. Uh, Webb and I have had a lot of conversations over time, and one of the conversations was about this particular passage itself. And he said, you know, I love that story because I am Zacchaeus, he said. I'm the guy who cheated. I'm the guy who robbed. I'm the guy who did all those bad things. And he said, but you know, God was good to me, and God was good to me because I ended up in jail, and I was given time to measure my life. I was given time to examine my life. I was given time to open my heart to Jesus. It was given time to have an experience of conversion. And he said, the opportunity was there. I had to take it or not while I was in jail. Now, Webb is a completely different human being these days, and he would never say this about himself, but I'll say it for him. I think he is ten times the human being he was before he went to jail. And that's your opportunity and my opportunity. To open your hearts, open your homes, let Jesus touch your hearts, and allow Jesus to let you become the full person whom God has created you to be. Amen.